Today's episode of the New Roads Jordan O'Donnell podcast will be featuring a conversation between Jake Harris and former college roommate Lewis Kraus. Lewis is a really interesting guy, having made it through four different colleges, he's seen a lot of the United States, and has had a similarly roundabout spiritual journey as well. Uh, he's got some really, really interesting insights as far as what it means to be spiritual, and in, in some cases what that means to kind of separate from the church, or at least find a, find a path that's unique to the individual. The conversation that conversation with Jake was a really, really uh, was a very insightful one, and I hope you guys enjoy it. So here we go. Good afternoon, and welcome back to yet another episode of New Roads. This time, we're featuring part-time mechanic, full-time seminary student, full-time personal BFF to the caveman, me, and the guy sitting on my shoulder through my life giving me advice Lewis Krause Lewis my man Papa Louie how you doing bro hey Jake good to hear from you man doing well man glad to be here yeah no dude glad to have you on so uh just for a point of reference um you are currently a you know full-time seminary student at Denver Seminary um but you are not currently in Colorado correct Correct. I'm I'm out in Manassas, Virginia right now uh, with my folks. I decided to take a little road trip in the midst of all of this chaos. And uh, yeah, so that's where I'm at right now. So tell me, I know this wasn't just a little road trip, you know, in like a reliable Subaru Outback, you know, plug on the Subi Outbacks. Um, so tell me a little bit more about this road trip for the fans out there. Why'd you go home? All right. All right. Okay. So uh, I guess it was back in October, November. I picked up a 1966 Ford F-250 um, that uh, has more than her fair share of issues. Uh, that does make her a 55-year-old truck. Um, 55-year-old beautiful aged woman, right? Exactly. Exactly. So uh, my uh, my bright self said, I'm going to do something fun. I'm going to take a 1800 mile road trip in this 55 year old vehicle um, in the middle of, you know, summer where it's hot and everything. And oh, yeah, buddy. So I packed I packed every tool that I thought I might need in the bed of the truck and hit the road. And um, it was I tell you, it was an adventure of a trip. I broke down three different times. Well, probably more than three, to be honest, but three 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 different times and uh, right. met some incredible people that you know just angels that i never thought i'd ever encounter and sure. uh, you know left it with some stories that i'll i'll never forget it sounds kind of like our road trip on the bus a little bit not on the bus the bus is purring like a kitten but some of our travel trailers have had uh you know, their fair share of mechanical breakdowns as well. So, and it's, you know, like you said, you meet some wonderful people along the way when stuff hits the fan. All right. So let's hop on into it, man. I think that you have, you know, kind of an incredible story. Um, you know, you have a unique take on a number of things. As I've mentioned, you are, you know, currently a seminary student. Um, you know, we just exposed that you have your hand in on some mechanical things. Um, and I think that you have, you know, I've heard that people call you a gypsy. And so I think we'll start there um, with all the moving around that you've done. Kind of take us through, 
you know, what are, what are the highlights, the locations you've lived, why you had to move, um, and be honest with why you had to move, <clears throat> Georgia. Um, and then also would love to hear a little bit background about both sides of your, you know, family, as I know a little bit about your family, um, and how it has kind of created this brainchild that is now Lewis Krauss. So take it away, Louis. Yeah. So we'll, um, we'll talk about Georgia real quick just to get it out in the air. So yes, I'm one of those guys that uh, transferred universities for a girl. I transferred hey. from Colorado Christian University to Barry College down in Georgia, halfway across the U.S. because I thought it'd be a good idea. Uh, did not work out, but you know, whatever. Um, so we'll just get that out, you know, out in front of everything. I know that's one of the things that Jake wanted to hear. I think the world needed to hear it. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So, so yeah, I was I was born in Laurel, Maryland. That's about know, half an hour northeast of Washington D.C. Uh, my folks were there. Dad was working in D.C. at the time. Mom was a nurse, and then she had me. So that she, I guess, uh, stopped working after that. Um, we were there for nine years, and then moved down to Auburn, Alabama, which is more or less, you know, uh, my home in, in some respects. Um, Dad took a job at Auburn University teaching aerospace engineering there. And um, eventually mom uh, went back to get her master's degree while we were there in nursing. So we were there for seven, seven years, I guess. And um, I absolutely loved it down there. That's, you know, uh, as a as a little kid running around getting to throw toilet paper all over trees every time the football team wins it's uh it's kind of hard not to love it so ew disgusting you are not a true hokey and that is a fact you are right about that i'm one of those guys that wears all the shirts all over the hokey campus and every one of my friends commented on it and said you're wrong yep, but you were repping the sticker in the back of your truck too war eagle baby that's all i gotta say war eagle. i don't even know why we're still friends <laughs> go ahead go ahead but yeah, so uh, so that's why I love Auburn. Uh, towards the, I don't know, five, six years in, Dad had always wanted to go on sabbatical somewhere. Um, so we talked to some folks that he knew in Australia for a while. That ended up falling through, but eventually got some things lined up. So we went on sabbatical, um, which is basically a, a professor's, not quite vacation. Uh, they go and uh, visit another university and do research and write and, and whatnot. So he went up to, I guess we went up to um, CU Boulder in Boulder, Colorado and um, made that transition. That was only supposed to be for six months, but we ended up being there for three years because we loved it so much. Um, so that was my junior, senior year of high school and then freshman year of college. Um, and where'd you go to college that first year? That first, all right. So that, that in, uh, transition into college was fun. I, wasn't planning on, well, I didn't really care where I went, but dad kept saying, Hey, you should look at CCU. Hey, you should look at CCU. So I went to look at Colorado Christian university and, um, just kind of took the easy way and said, all right, you know, why not? Um, I applied the, I think that's the only school I applied to, to that time. Um, uh -huh. and I say that time cause I <laughs> transferred multiple times cause yay me. Um, Papa Louie, the gypsy. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the summer before I, I went there, um, I met this gal at a conference out in, 
uh, Colorado Springs. We decided to do the long distance thing because I really don't know why, but we thought it was a good idea. Um, or maybe I thought it was. A- you have a lot of good ideas that transfer into you driving or moving across the country. That is a general theme, I think. Well, yeah, you you have a point. <laughs> Usually they're they may not be good ideas at the time, but you know it gets me to where I need to be eventually, I suppose. So that's right. right. Uh, it, it's the journey, right? Right. So I met this gal, we did long distance for a year while I was at Colorado Christian and then decided that I would, I'd move down South to be closer to her and uh, see what would happen. Um, I rationalized it by saying, uh, you're always going to wonder what, what, what had happened. Uh, you know, if you, if you didn't go, you'd always be sitting there wondering, you know, how it would have turned out. So I went and it didn't turn out, but whatever. Um, so I went to Barry college uh, in Rome, Georgia for my sophomore junior years of college. And then halfway through decided to switch to engineering instead of physical therapy. Uh, Cause originally that's what I was planning on doing. Um, but my ex's family uh, basically scared me out of it. Cause they started talking to me about grad school about uh, halfway through my sophomore year of college. And I said, no, thank you. I'm too young for this. <laughs> So I was like, oh, I don't know what to do. Part of me thought about just going to a trade school because I already at that point had an inclination that I liked working with my hands and doing stuff. Um, so I ended up not doing that. Figured I should probably finish my undergrad since I was already halfway through it. Uh, well, I thought I was halfway through it. So quick aside, um, if you were to go to a trade school today, what would you go for? Uh <laughs> Some kind of auto mechanics. It would either be diesel building, um, although they don't really have a, a school for for diesel mechanic. Well, they've got like big rig diesel mechanics, but they don't really have like race diesel mechanics. Um, so it'd probably be like NASCAR or something like that. Um, I would love yeah. to to enter into that field. Um, That's for biz- building the uh, the trophy truck, right? Absolutely, absolutely. That that's a dream um, that I'll I'll realize maybe one day, but. Once I make my billions, buddy, I'll fund the whole project and we will build a trophy truck. Yes, sir. There we go. But that's <laughs> we can talk about that in a little bit. Yep. But yeah, so I ended up um, deciding I was going to do engineering, uh, spent another year at Barry, and then transferred to Virginia Tech, which is where I met uh, Caveman here. <laughs> that was a uh, man. That was a wild two years. So I spent a semester there doing engineering, and then said no, thank you. Got out and. Uh, finished my last year and a half uh, doing philosophy. And if you were uh, keeping track of your math, yes, it took me five years to do my undergrad. Five years, four schools, if you count the summer classes I did at Nova Community College. Um, and yeah, it was a, that was an interesting experience. Heck yeah, dude. So you went Colorado Christian, Barry, Virginia Tech, finished up at Virginia Tech, and now just kind of, you know, hitting some of the highlights, you are at Denver Seminary, correct? And that was just right after Virginia Tech. Yeah, buddy. Yep. Uh, yeah. So I, um, I'll give you all the kind of how I made it out there. So at some point, and we'll get back to this in a minute, I guess, at some point, um, God made it clear that seminary was, was in my path and I've got history at Asbury Seminary, if any of y'all have heard of that. Um, but I didn't really know 
you know, what seminaries are out there or how to judge. It's not like there's a top 10 best seminaries in the U S like you can do for undergrad. So I was just kind of trusting God to send me regionally, um, tell me where he wanted me to go. And then I'd figure out school from there. And, um, having lived in Denver before, um, he pointed me back out this way for a variety of reasons. And I ended up at Denver seminary. I've been there since, uh, yeah, last August, uh, I just finished, or I'm working on finishing my, uh, summer classes that'll launch me into my second year here. So, yeah. Heck yeah. So let's back up just a minute. Um, let's talk about, so uh, you were talking about some of your history with some seminaries and whatnot. Uh, tell me a little bit about your mom and dad side of the family, some of the differences, some of the similarities, um, hitting some of those highlights. As I think that, you know, you are very much a brainchild just from personally knowing you of, you know, your mom and dad side of the family. Yeah, yeah. So we'll start with mom because that's kind of the easiest uh, side to explain. Um, so mom's folks were our missionaries um they're they're back in the u.s now but um mom was born in arizona and then um they went to ethiopia for uh, several years i don't remember how long they were there for um but um they were there for five five years i think and uh, ended up having to leave because the communists took over and her dad was the headmaster of a um, school for MKs and uh, yeah so they basically held him for ransom and there's a whole story there of how God got him out but they were there for you know for that period of time and then for those that don't know Lewis what is an MK sorry missionary kid right. um, that's uh, so there's in the church world there's pastor kids or PKs and missionary kids or MKs um, and, and that's a uh, yeah so mom's an MK um, yeah, so they were back in Arizona for a little while, and then through another series of interesting events, they ended up in Indonesia for 20, 20 years, I think. Um, so they were there for, for a good long while, and, and mom is definitely the product of that. Um, so that was kind of written into into my DNA is you know a love for, for the word, a love for people, not just in the U.S., but um, of you know all races, ethnic, ethnicities, and and all sorts of things. So that's, that's mom's side of the family is simply as I can explain it. And then, so my dad's family, um, man, so they kind of center in, in Willowmore, Kentucky is, is, is one hub, I suppose, of, of his family, the Krauses. Um, most directly, um, his folks are, I guess, had a previous life in, in academia, um, teaching at Christian colleges and, and doing that whole deal, um, getting on boards and, and stuff like that. But then they made their way up to Washington, D.C. and have been involved in varying levels of politics for the last, uh, I don't know how long, a good long while. I think my, my granddad's coming up on 30 years at um, Health and Human Services in D.C. So wow. um, so they've been there for a good long while. But um, they've all, we've got I mean, it's, it's a rather large family. Um, the Krauses are, it's to the point where, um, you have to pick and choose who you're going to invite to your wedding because <laughs> get everyone there. And that's just talking about, you know, my dad's side of the family, there's 200, 250 or more of us. Um, so it's, there's a lot, and there's, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, you know, pastors and missionaries, you know, all throughout. A lot of PhDs too, right? There's, there's more than a few. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'll, I'll add my name to the to the ranks of the of the PhDs at some point. But yeah, buddy. Yeah, so that's that's a little history on on uh, their families. Yeah, heck yeah. Um, just for the people out there, when I first met Lewis, he was driving what was called the Black Pearl. Uh, what year was that? Two fifty, Lewis. Uh, it was a three fifty, and it was two thousand seven. Oh, three fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Uh, no disrespect to the Black Pearl, wherever you are on planet Earth. Um, but he was driving this big, jacked up turbo diesel five zero, right? Six liter. Six. Yeah, dude. See, man, I'm really making myself look like a fool talking about mechanics right now. But nonetheless, I'm like, man, who's this kind of like good old country boy? And then like I started realizing. This kid is ridiculously smart. I should probably hang around him. I might look smarter. You know, which, like, you know me, dude. It's all about appearances, you know? Like, I'm not out here actually being an intelligent being. I just, you know, it's all about presentation. Um, But, nonetheless, so, you kind of gave the brief story of how you landed uh, in Denver Seminary. Um, Anything that you would add to that, um, you know, because... I want to kind of dive into why I think you're more of a unique uh, seminary student um, than most uh, here in a second. But anything you would add to why you ended up out at Denver Seminary? Um, without knowing the next set of questions, I'll just briefly say that you know, my, my journey to seminary is unique. Most folks uh, getting there at some point in their you know, early lives decide that they want to be a pastor and um, then kind of set themselves up to go to seminary and, and do that whole deal. And it's kind of the seamless, you know, easy transition um, that, you know, has been clear to them for, for a good long while, or they're, you know, they got into ministry early and then are coming back to go to seminary at another time. Um, but my, uh, my path was not quite that clear. I, uh, I didn't figure out that I, that's where I was headed until um, about three or four years ago. Um, right before I met Jake, actually. Um, so I've, yeah, I've had a bit of a different journey getting there, but we can get into that uh, maybe in a bit. Yeah, let's hop right into it, man. So um, that is, you know, by and large why I, you know, find your story with seminary a little bit more unique is because it wasn't necessarily this like clear cut path and decision to pastorhood um, like it is for many. Um, and I think, you know, just knowing you on a personal level, uh, a lot of it kind of comes from your experience in a multitude of like different church groups, you know, Christian groups, um, you know, in different regions of the country. Um, so you want to talk about that a little bit, maybe, you know, break it up into before college time, you know, what life, you know, like your Christian college life was like, and then, how you plan on taking experiences from both of those times in your life and projecting them, um, you know, in the next five years and then like the next 20, 30 years. Cause I know that you kind of have a little bit of a game plan about how you want to gain your experience and stuff like that um, before moving into different, different phases of the master plan. For sure. Yeah. So let's see. I mean, obviously I, I grew up around the church at the very least, right. Um, with my, you know, grandparents being missionaries and then you know my want well my other grandparents you know, being in, in christian academia and then there's you know christian christianity is basically written in my dna um in some ways but um so in, when we were in maryland we were at a baptist church uh then got down to the south and we were in a methodist church for a while 
and both of those situations, I don't know, especially the, my time in Auburn, I didn't come to realize this until well, well after my, my time there, but it was very, you know, the, the church is the, it's the center of the community in some ways. And that doesn't mean that it's, it's not always like the spiritual hub of the center. Sometimes it's just strictly the communal hub of this. Like the social hub. Yeah. And you know, it's a place that folks go to, to, um, to gain, you know, honor and prestige in their communities. It's, it's not always, you know, people aren't always there because they love Jesus or, you know, really want anything to do with the gospel. Um, sometimes it's, it's just the thing to do. Um, and I, like I said, I didn't realize that until, until well later, until actually I was in Virginia, uh, with Jake, but so, yeah, so I, you know, had have a little Baptist in the background, have some Methodist. And then I got out to, to Denver, um, and spent some time in a, I think it was a church of Christ or, um, a Christ church, one of the two. And then also did youth group in a Presbyterian church and, um, uh, then went to a mega church when I got into college at Colorado Christian. And then, uh, when I went back down South to, to Barry college, I, you went to my grim great, great grandmother's United Methodist church again. Um, so I was back in that, you know, kind of sphere. Um, and, and then moving to Virginia, uh, I found Jake and, you know, he and his friends were all in this, I don't know, they exposed me to the world of charismatic uh, Christianity. Um, and and that was a you know, big jump from, from everything I'd seen before. But the, um, the community that I, community and fellowship that I learned from them was, uh, you know, something I'd never seen before, but was absolutely, you know, vital to the gospel. And then um, getting out here, I've been in some some other types of churches. So if if you know anything about all those different names, you know it's it's anywhere from traditional, like uber traditional, liturgical, like hymns, uh, choir, the whole nine yards, um, to you know people are jumping and yelling and uh, waving their arms all over the place. No snakes, though, right? You haven't been part of the snake worshiping and stuff. I have not found any snake worshiping or uh, whatever you want to call those churches. Right, 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 right. Snake handling churches, but um, but yeah. So I've I've seen the I've seen the gambit, um, which is really interesting. And uh, most most folks don't have that opportunity, I suppose. Um, so my you know my unique journey has has given me perspective on the church that most folks don't have, um, simply by virtue of of all of that. Um. And it wasn't until until I got to Virginia um, the summer before is when I, you know, I guess, received my call to ministry, whatever you want to call it. It wasn't then until God you know, got a hold of me and said, this is where you're headed. Um, and and then I started to look back and realize the how negative of an influence the, the church had had in a lot of ways, especially in the South, um, where – and then – uh, please don't don't take this wrong the wrong way if you're in the south and and love your church. But um, I I just kept seeing opportunities in places where um, I didn't feel like the gospel was take being taken far enough. Um, you know, I, I grew up where, and you know, I, I've I've been to churches even recently, um, you know, all over the place where the gospel is okay 
you know, pray this prayer, accept Jesus into your heart and then sit at the pew for the rest of your life and you're good. Um, and then, you know, one day when you die, you'll go to heaven and, and that's the end of the story. And, you know, as I've, as I've made my way through all these different churches and, you know, types of, of Christian groups, I've, uh, I've just seen that the gospel is more, um, so at the end of the day, in my heart, really, the, the South is home for me. Every time I drive back and I start to get into the Appalachian Mountains, you know, my, I'm just, it, it's home. Um, yeah. So my heart is to, is to go back and to help people see that there's more. Um, not in the way of, you know, this fresh out of seminary, arrogant kid that says, I know, I know better, but rather as a, in a posture of, um, I, was, I was talking to my mentor the other day and um, he used the phrase or I guess, you know, um, that, you know, it's, it's one beggar telling another beggar where he found food. Um, and that's, you know, that's really the, what I'm doing here in seminary is, um, equipping myself and, and meeting other people, um, that have the same heart. So then I can, um, so I can eventually go back and, um, act as one beggar to another saying, I found food. Here it is. Yeah. So, um, I guess just in brief for anybody listening, uh, and in, you know, layman's terms, um, what is the gospel? Um, and then what is the more that you're referring to that you want to take back to the like Southern, you know, quote unquote, Southern, the Bible belt, type region of the earth of the u.s specifically so two questions there you know simple what's the gospel for anybody wondering out there you know the quick gospel story and then what is the more that you really want to share you know as specific as you can and you know some of them can be general yeah yeah, yeah. so i had the opportunity to preach at a camp meeting this last week um through some uh, interesting set of circumstances. But when I was there, I got the chance to, um, it's actually to preach the gospel in, in a way that I don't think many people had thought about before. Um, so if you've, if you've been around church at all, if you heard ch church people talking, the, the gospel there is usually boiled down to, you know, Jesus died for your sins so that you can be reconciled to God. You pray this prayer and you can go to heaven. And, like those statements are are true, but it's kind of kind of missing the point. Um, so I was as I was preaching the gospel the other week, um, and I, I say this because it's a part of my story. Um, it's a part of the you know what's what God has written on my heart um, and the things that He's given me to you know to share. Um, but it it starts back in at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis with creation. Um, if you don't know the creation story, you know, God creates the earth in seven days or periods of time. You know, that discussion is, is long winded and honestly unnecessary. Um, but he created the earth in, in these seven periods of time and then created the garden, put man and woman in the garden, blah, blah, blah. Uh, eventually they, you know, they sin and then get cast out of the garden. And then there's the rest of history. Um, but one of the things that I latched onto in that is that, when God finds out that they, well, when it's made known to everyone that uh, man and woman had sinned, um, 
it's put in the context of, of saying that, you know, in the, in the cool of the evening, God was walking and calling out to man and woman saying, where are you? Um, so I look at that and realize that was an everyday thing for them. Like they were, they were walking with God. Um, and you know, that, that was, that was normal. They would walk and talk and, you know, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm drawing too much of a, you know, too much out of it, but I don't think it's unreasonable to say that. Um, so I, you know, then look in at the very beginning of time with man and woman, God walked, he walked on the earth with people. And that's how things were made to be like, that was, that was his intention for creation. And then man and woman sinned and God was no longer walking with us. Um, he, he made the choice to, um, to leave. Not that his, in a, in his influence wouldn't be you know, felt, but uh, he wasn't walking anymore. And then there's you know, these thousands of years of history where sin just runs rampant and, and folks are doing all sorts of crazy things. And I mean, I don't know, you, you've probably looked at history enough to, to see what, what all has gone on. And then, um, and then in the form of, of a baby, uh, God's once again, walking on the earth. Uh, and the child's name is, is Jesus. Um, and there's these 33 years where God is once more walking on the earth. Um, with these people showing them the way of, of life. And, um, and that's, you know, that, that's good news. That's, um, that's the beginning of, of restoration, um, for, for us as humans to, to how it was intended to be, how it, how it ought to be. Um, and then 33 years, his, um, his life was made to be a sacrifice. And then, uh, you know, there's a story that, or there's the understanding that he rose in three days later, um, and, and left us with his Holy Spirit. Um, so even though he wouldn't be walking physically with us anymore, the, the, the Spirit of God would be inside those of us who, who believe. Um, and, um, and, you know, that's, you know, fast forward 2,000 years, and, and here I am today saying, you know, that very same Spirit is within me. Um, and, you know, fast forward, who knows how long, but that's, you know, that's the ultimate goal at the end of, of history. Um, when the world ends, when judgment comes upon us, um, those who are marked worthy simply by the grace of God, it's not by anything that we could do. Um, uh, we will be once more, you know, walking with him and reigning with him over this earth that he created um, us to, us to be on and enjoy with him in, in, the, in community. So that's the long and short of, of the gospel as I understand it, as I you know, read scripture and see it. So, um, but yeah, so my, my heart is just, uh, I think that's, that's the more, um, in, in the churches in a lot of churches that I've been in, when I talk to church people, you know, they have this very narrow understanding of the gospel. It's, you know, believe in Jesus, your sins are forgiven, and then you can go to heaven one day when you realize that, you know, the, the point of the gospel is to reunite us with God in relationship um, you know, we are restored, we are redeemed and then restored. Um, and that's the point of the gospel. It's not just simply like, okay, you know, now you gotta, you know, get a jail free card. Um, that, uh, helps people understand that there is, there's more to this, this thing called life and this thing called faith. Um, so we have the opportunity to look around at the world, um, and see the, the life that God breathed into it. We have the opportunity to look in ourselves and see the, parts of God that he passed on to us. We were made in the image of God. 
Um, that doesn't mean that doesn't just mean that we have, you know, conscience and emotions and whatnot, but it means that, you know, uh, I, I've loved being a, being a mechanic and, and enjoying, um, and figuring out how things work. And, you know, I, I see that and I recognize it as, um, as a character attribute of, of who God is, you know, you look at the, the plants and the trees outside, you look at the animals around us and you, you realize how much, uh, intentionally had to be put into them in, in designing these things and creating them and imagining them. Um, so as I, you know, as I work on that truck, as I dream about it, as I you know, look at ways to, um, to do new things with it, you know, I, I can, I can relate to God in that, um, because that's something of himself that he put in me. Um, and that's, that's the more, um, that I think, or at least that's part of the more is to realize that we have, we have a role beyond just existing until the end time. But, you know, as we've been redeemed, uh, we are here to, to pass that, that love and life on to those around us. Um, and you know that's that's the gospel that's the good news so you know going back to the south where where folks just kind of exist and and you know giving them a a new understanding of what it means to live in light of the gospel is um is my heart so um you know i, I first want to start with with people our age and you know friends and, and family and whatnot but eventually i'd love to work with pastors and saying you know and giving them uh the ability to, to dream again um, cause I feel like in some ways, you know, it's easy to get beaten down if you're not, uh, if you're not constantly in, in community with, with folks that are, that are dreaming and, and whatnot. Um, for sure. So I know that like, um, you've kind of mentioned this like pathway to get back to the South. Um, even just a second ago, talking about starting with young people, that sort of thing. Um, so this is another thing that I think kind of separates you from many seminary students. You, you know, have projected, at least to me, um, a, a desire to, to learn a lot, to be a part of, you know, different systems for a length of time, you know, systems being different churches and such, um, to really learn, glean, grow, and to also like take advantage of some leadership opportunities that come your way. Um, so you got some more seminary left. The goal is to get back to the South, um, like you just mentioned, working ultimately with pastors, um, some of the like, quote unquote, higher leadership in a church. Um, what is what's like kind of your anticipated roadmap to get there um, that, you know, because I think it is different than most uh, seminary grads um, who are trying to get connected with a church. Um, you know, maybe they're an associate pastor immediately and then a lead pastor eventually. And I think from what you and I have chatted about, you've got a different game plan. Tell us the game plan, senor. Yes. Yeah. So I've, like you are saying, uh, seeing the, the, the church at large and having a heart to bring it all back to life again isn't exactly a normal uh, career path, uh, so to speak. Right. Um, that's not, I mean, you know, if you're, if you're going to be a pastor, you love people and that's, you know, that, that's your heart. That's the desire is to, is to go and, and be with people and minister to them. Right. Um, so, you know, so that, that's normal, absolutely normal, but you know, God's given me a 
heart for the larger church. Um, and in the journey that he's taken me on to see all these different things, you know, it just, um, it's, it's different and, and that's, you know, okay. But, um, you know, as, as we're talking about my game plan, um, you, know, one of the things that I've, I've had to learn as I've moved around so much is to, is to stop having expectations of what's going to happen, um, and timing and whatnot. Cause you know, I didn't expect to move all these different times. Um, and then I look back on it and I haven't lived in the same house for more than a year in the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, so I've, you know, I've moved a lot and I've, I've quit having expectations for the future. Um, but that being said, I do have an understanding of where God's taking me at some point, um, or at least where he's pointing me and, you know, that yeah. might get changed at some point, but, but yeah, so the, the plan, uh, as much as I, can't have a plan or, or do have a plan is to, um, right now I've been, I've been doing a lot of writing. I'm going to start a podcast as well here in the next couple months. Got a name for it yet? Not yet. I'll, uh, we'll jam about it at some point. All right. Right on. But yeah, so I'm, I've been doing that a lot. Um, I'm in, you know, working in seminary, but the, the next step I think is to work with young adults. Um, is to, cause if you, if you make it out of college with your faith, you are out, you're a very small percentage. Um, much, you know, and, and that's, that's just a, a fact. Um, so, you know, I want to, I want to be able to pull those who have made it out of college with their faith and, and give them a, a purpose, give them, you know, a, a chance to do something and actually utilize their gifts and talents and their um, their yeah, obedience to yeah, God, um, because that's, that shouldn't be overlooked, um, by any means. And it so often is. Um, so that's, that's the plan most immediately is to work with young adults out here and to, to give them a voice, a place to, to be and to grow and to learn. Um, cause there's, there's so much going on in the world around us. Um, and it is changing so rapidly. Um, I mean, we've, you know, we, we see the mental health crisis that's happening right now in the midst of COVID. We see all the animosity with Black Lives Matter on both sides and all this, you know, all of the issues that are just, uh, you know, servicing. And that's, you know, in some, in some ways, because COVID has, you know, stripped away all pretense of, you know, norm, normalcy and, you know, everything's okay. So now all these issues are coming to bear. And um, I've kind of, you know, I've been, trudging through some of them on my own in the last years already. Um, but you know, there's, there's a lot that, that people need, especially young adults. Um, so, so yeah, so that's the, the, the most immediate, you know, yeah, most immediate thing. And you know, who knows what God, what God's going to put in my way is that you know, keeps going. Um, but um, yeah, so I'll start with that. And then I don't know, five, six years from now is kind of the, the time table that I have in my head. Um, whether that remains is something not up to my discretion. Um, but you know, five, six years from now, I'm going to head back south. And um, hopefully by then I'll have a network kind of created that I can jump on into and, um, and start working with pastors and young adults. And you know, just uh, the, ultimately the point is to, is to show people um, the gospel um, in a way that brings life and light. And um, so that's, you know, that's really what I want to do. Um, so right. you know, that looks like working with pastors, which I'm, I'm thinking is the, you know, the most immediate power, the you know next most immediate path is working with pastors to 
give them the the space to dream a little bit um, to to find God again, and then also the resources to you know, go back to their churches and to you know fight the people that are um, you know, holding them in place, or you know um, give them the the people and resources they need to to make some necessary and scary um, changes um, so that they yeah. can then, you know, keep going in the world that, that they're actually living in, but bring the gospel along with them. Heck yeah. So in that, you know, so you kind of have a timeline of five to six ish years, um, you know, the good old Lord pending um, on, on how that actually transpires. So you need money, right. To live. Um, and I, I know you and I have chatted a little bit about just like philosophy on working a full-time job with your degree or, you know, do you raise support? Do you get supported through the church? Um, that sort of thing. And I know, as I've mentioned already, you're kind of a jack-of-all-trades guy. You know, I've seen you when you worked for a catering business and then when you were working on a farm um, and then you've had other various jobs. Um, so kind of take me through what do you think, uh, you know, what has been some of your past philosophy on like, you know, working versus, uh, you know, support through the church? Cause I know that there's a lot of different personal philosophies out there. And I think that that's just it. It's very much a personal thing. Um, you know, from some personal conviction, um, that kind of helps paint that. And it's a little bit different for different people. Um, so yeah, kind of take me through that. What's your kind of your game plan on that? Um, you know, Tell tell the fans out there some of the things that you've tried or thought through because I think all this stuff is super helpful for young, you know, Christians who might be kind of battling this idea of okay, I got a technical degree or even just like a degree that has nothing to do with quote unquote church from just a regular public university, and then they're struggling when they have this moment, this God moment in college. And they get super plugged into a campus ministry or a church, and they're like, oh, gosh, I got to go to seminary. I got to become a pastor or a youth pastor or whatever. And um, then I think there's this internal struggle that happens, and I think some of the philosophy that you're about to impart to some of these people can be some really, like, freeing news um, in some ways, um, as I think it really is a personal thing. You know, I've got my own story on it, but you are you are the wizard of the moment, so— Lewis, impart to us the work versus, you know, support, wisdom, your personal philosophy. It's definitely an interesting conversation to have, for sure. Um, you know, I've, like I've mentioned, you know, I'm not taking a traditional route in ministry necessarily, uh, where, you know, you work your way up in a church kind of, and then, you know, that's that's your thing. Um, you know, you're then supported by the church, by the tithes of people. Um, you know, that's not the route that I'm taking right now. Um, and I don't, I don't know if that'll ever be me, but, um, so I think a lot of this goes back to just a, a general philosophy of, of ministry and what it means to actually be someone who lives and dies by the word. Um, you don't have to be a, a preacher to, uh, to do ministry. Um, and I think that's a, really unfortunate, but common misperception about the church. Um, so the, the church, the so-called body of Christ, you know, each, each of us has a role. Um, 
and the people, the pastoral staff, the, the people that run parachurch ministries, the the role of each of them in, in this so-called body isn't to do the ministry ourselves. Um, that's not, and, and you know, it, in some ways it is, you know, we're supposed to be a conduit for that, but ultimately what we're supposed to do is, is teach and equip the, the lay people, the, the congregation um, to go and do the work. So, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're hoping to do ministry, you don't have to go to seminary and be a pastor. You know, it's, it's a go to church. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's go to church, but it's also, you know, that's, that's the learning place. Um, One, one term that I've kind of anchored onto uh, in in recent years is, is the idea of a waypoint. Um, And that's almost what the church is supposed to be. It's this, it's this place where you, you stop there for a little bit um, on your journey and, and you rest and you talk to other travelers and you get rejuvenated and then you go out again. Um, and I feel like in some ways that's what the church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a place where you come and you rest and you learn and you get support from one another. And then you go back out on the journey into life um, where you are doing ministry and the ministry, it's not, you know, it, the, the, the two greatest commandments um, as Jesus said, them are to love one another and to love your neighbor as yourself. Um, and, you know, as we're doing that, you know, that's, that's your coworkers. That's literally, you know, the neighbors around you. Um, so doing ministry isn't, it's not some uh, crazy thing that you have to be, you know, super qualified for. It's, it's literally to go out and, and to get to know those people and love them and walk through them. Um, you know, we're and in the church, we're not to, to judge the people outside of the church. We're to love them to the point where they would want to come in. Um, so if you want to do ministry and you're in an engineering or a construction background or something like you don't have to leave that your ministry to the people around you. Um, so that's, I think that's the biggest encouragement I would, I would have. Um, and you know, my own journey is, is a little different because I've, I see myself in the role or the role I'm, the path I'm taking, the direction I'm going is, is one of equipping people. Um, I'm doing ministry myself, you know, getting to know my neighbors and, and coworkers and whatnot, um, and, and loving them. But, um, you know, my, my path was a little different, you know, at some point I would, I would love to be able to, to write and to speak, um, and, you know, and, and make money through that and, and, you know, um, and teach and, and lead people. But, um, but in order to do ministry, you don't have to, to go to seminary and get a degree. Um, that's, it's not it. Your your ministry is, is loving and taking care of the people around you. Heck yeah. Yeah, man. So I know that and you even just kind of mentioned, you know, trying to, you know, generate some monies from, you know, speaking, writing, that sort of thing. Uh, right now for the people who haven't stumbled upon the wonderful thing that is lewiskraus.com. Um which is, you know, I'll let you speak to it, Lewis. It's his personal blog website where you are really just kind of conveying different thoughts of a, you know, current seminarian, if that's even the term used. Um, and so, yeah, you're getting started on that, man. You are trying to, you know, um, utilize your voice and your experience to encourage others and to break down some you know, maybe fallacies of the Christian life or the church um, along the way, um, not breaking down the church, 
but just, you know, some of the like common misconceptions or, you know, reinforcing some of the true things about it. Um, so yeah, man, I would love to take like the next segment of time here to just kind of hop in on a couple of the areas you feel most passionate about. Um, I know, uh, just from a brief look, you've been writing a lot more about identity, um, and you took a season, you know, where you were talking about like church hurt, um, and such. So what do you, what are some of the very like current topics that are really hitting home on your heart? Um, and a little bit about them, um, that you've been really writing on and pondering. And then I'd love to hear a little bit more about the vision of this podcast that you are uh, working on putting together. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So a little background. I started, um, I guess I started this, this website back in, I think it was January, February. Um, but before that and years and in, in the seminary experience, I started compiling topics that I thought would be interesting to write and think more on. And then eventually I was like, you know, why am I not actually writing on these things? So then I, you know, I started the website and started posting things and, and sharing uh, my thoughts to the world. And, you know, there are plenty of other people doing the same thing, but uh, in some ways it was, it started off as a ministry unto myself just so I could flush these thoughts out and get them on paper. Um, right. So, yeah, I've, I've talked about all sorts of things. Um, like Jake said, the um, identity is, is something I've, I've been writing about and thinking a lot about recently. Um, and I've also, you know, I'd spent some time thinking about church heart. Um, I would actually, you know, I would love to write a book on that at some point. And that's something that I'll be working on here and, uh, in the next year or so. Um, and then, yeah. So, um, where, where do those things come from? So my, and all of that, you know, it goes back to the desire to, um, to see the church understand more of the gospel. Um, and in my story, you know, that, that requires taking a look at who you are. Um, because God's made us each to do some very specific things. Um, he's put, people in our paths that, um, are unique. You know, each one of us has an individual, you know, has our individual story. None of us is like the other. Um, even if we spent, you know, our entire lives next to someone, eventually, you know, we're going to run into someone different than, than that person. And that, you know, changes who we are. Um, and it makes us you know, unique and different. Um, in terms of identity, you know, I, I love, I love that topic. Um, mostly because, identity is where you de derive purpose and, um, and mission. Yeah. It, it's where you de derive purpose, you know, where your identity identity is set. That's, you know, that's what you're running after in life. That's the thing that you put your, you know, you know, stake your life in. So um, I love that topic just because, you know, I, I think so many Christians don't understand that, um, their, where their identity is found or what it means to be, you know, a, a child of God. Um, so I, I've, I've really enjoyed writing on that topic um, just to hopefully, you know, challenge some people to look at their own stories and understand better who they are and um, who God is in relationship with them. Um, the, the topic of church hurt was a really interesting one to me. Um, and Jake knows um, some of my history with this, but you know, in the church, I think one of the one of the biggest issues we have is that we aren't willing to address and acknowledge the fact that, uh, as a whole, we've heard people, we've heard a lot of people, um, right. and you know that that is a reality. That's that's a truth that we have to come to face um, and understand that 
you know, we, um, there are people that walked away from the church because of things that we have said um, from the pulpit or things we haven't said uh, and that we should have, you know, it, it's, you know, not only that, but there are actions that were taken by, you know, pastors and, and leadership that directly harmed people. I mean, you, you hear about all the sexual abuse that just ran rampant all yep. throughout different denominations. Um, and that's, that's the stepchild that you don't want to acknowledge happened, but it, you know, it did, it's, it's reality. And there are people that are, you know, hurt terribly. Um, yeah. and there's, there's no getting around that fact. So, um, so I love, I don't love talking about it, but I think it's so important to acknowledge that definitely that hurt happens. Um, and you know, if we don't, if we don't open up and talk about it and handle it well, not even handle it well, but you know, with grace and, um, and love, then there's no, um, you know, reconciliation can't be had. Um, so it's, it's topics like those that really, that I love, you know, coming out with cause it, um, it's honest and it's, true and it's you know those are things that people struggle with right now when it comes to the church um it's the church is in a or the culture around us it's not people aren't just looking for a place to be you know if if they're going to come to church they have to have um they have to be settled in their mind about it you know they're they're issues that a lot of people think about you know why why does the church have all these issues you know i don't want to join those things um or um you know the you know, is the church even relevant anymore? Um, you know, can I find my identity there or is it just something right. that folks go to and has no meaning? So it's, it's topics like those that I really try and try and get into as I'm, as I'm writing. Heck yeah. So kind of wrapping things up here, um, in the time that we've got left talking about church hurt, um, as a topic that you've discussed on your you know, personal website and your blog to really flesh out some ideas, the world, the U.S. is, you know, pretty apparently hurting. Um, and I kind of like to finish up some of these segments hearing from you. Um, what are some of the things that you're acknowledging um, that are going on in the country, across the country, whether it is specific to Northern Virginia, D.C., where, you know, kind of your parents' home is, or even down in the South, of course, um, you know, there's tensions there. What's going on out in Colorado? Um, what, what's an area of like, you know, present day American problems that you are just feeling pretty passionate about, um, you know, that you would even just like to acknowledge or, you know, give your hot take on something. Um, cause gosh, there's, there's craziness everywhere it seems. And doesn't look like 2020 is really given much of the U S and a lot of other places across the, you know, planet earth a break. So what is Lewis Krauss thinking? What is Lewis Krauss doing with all the craziness? Yeah, I mean, you're, it is, you're right, it is crazy. Uh, I think that's an understatement, to say the least. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much going on. And really, I think at the heart, at the, you know, at the very base of it, I think it, there's an underlying fear um, that, that runs through, through everything. Um, and I don't know what to do about that. Um, but I think that's the, that's the root of everything. You know, there's this, the, this desire to control, um, to have control. And, you know, that's also driven by fear. Um, so I think at the, at the end of the day, you know, we are so fear driven. Um, 
I mean, that's where, you know, everybody wants to, wants to live forever. Nobody wants to get sick. And it's, it's out of fear of the unknown, um, yeah. fear of not being able to, to do the things that we want to do. Um, so I think that's honestly the thing that I've um, come to understand and see the most in everything that's going on um, is this, even, you know, the, the racial tensions, the, you know, politics surrounding the coronavirus, everything is about fear um, and people that, that don't know what to do. Um, that are simply reacting because um, they're scared. Um, and I think the quickest way, yeah, I won't even say the quickest way. I think one of the ways we need to approach it is just to have, is to recognize the way to say, yeah, I'm scared. Um, and then have a conversation surrounding that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Is it, uh, you know, Unfortunately, I can't say I've been to Colorado recently. Um, how was it kind of before you left? What was kind of the general atmosphere before uh, heading out in your old trusty wagon? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Honestly, it wasn't. So I, I lived down in Highlands Ranch um, on the outskirts of Denver, and we didn't get a lot of um, – we didn't feel a lot of fallout from, you know, the, the riots or even, you know, the – the coronavirus that kind of came and went in, in some ways um, just before I was, I left, you know, it seemed like Highlands Ranch was opening back up. You know, there are people out on the weekends and, you know, people were gathering again. Um, and, you know, the, the racial tensions didn't really seem to hit our community uh, mostly because Highlands Ranch is, uh, is pretty white uh, by and large. Uh, right. So we didn't, that's not something that, you know, the, my community felt, um, but who knows what it's going to be like when I get back, um, you know, with the, um, you know, no, new developments from on all sides. I'm sure they miss you, man. I know I do. Your beautiful face. Um, heck yeah, Louie. Well, Hey, to wrap things up, man. Um, you want to put a little plug in on your website, read it out, spell it out for, for the people listening, your Instagram, if you want to, um, and then uh, make any shout-outs to mom and dad that you want to make, your brother, sister-in-law, whoever, whomever. Um, yeah, go. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so, you know, shout-out to Jake. Thanks for, thanks for having me on here. Um, I, love the, I love talking about this stuff. It's my bread and butter mostly because it's, it's my life. Um, if you're interested in, um, in following the, or reading the things that I'm posting um, and thinking about, um, it's go to lewiskraus.com, um, L-E-W-I-S-C-R-O-U-S-E.com. Uh, and you'll, um, you'll be able to encounter some of, uh, some of my ideas and writings, um, on there. I've got a you know, weekly, uh, I post several times weekly on, um, uh, you know, little essays of things that I'm working through and I try and incorporate a lot of, um, self reflection questions in there as well. Um, I've also got a page for you know, different resources that I've come across that I thought were particularly helpful. And then um, there's some other things on there. Um, in the in the next couple months, I'm going to try and start a podcast. Um, the first section that I'm going to, or a series that I'm going to be going through is it, um, is just reading through the, uh, the Bible, basically, um, specifically the New Testament letters, because um, I think so many 
so many times we just take verses here and chapters there and forget that there's a, a life, you know, there's humanity, there's story, there's emotion behind each of those things. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to flesh some of those things out in the podcast and that'll be, that'll be showing up here in a, in a month or so. Um, but, but yeah, so uh, thanks for having me guys. It was, it was a blast. Yeah, of course, man. Of course. And uh, as far as I know, Lewis is still a hunk of single burning love. Um, so ladies out there, uh, hit us up and uh, I can get you some contact information, some personal contact information, maybe even an address if you want to get into the stalking of Lewis. Um, but we can make that happen. Well, Lewis, it's been a pleasure, man. Um, I'm glad we kind of got to catch up via the podcast. Uh excited to see you in the flesh at some point in future time i know it's going to happen you know it's going to happen um, we're going to make it happen so yeah with that mr kraus thank you sir and uh look forward to keeping in touch with you buddy absolutely dude thanks yep ciao episode of new roads once again that was lewis kraus um, and you can get all of his insights at lewis l-e-w-i-s kraus c-r-o-u-s-e dot com um, as well as find all of the awesome initiatives that he's got going on there um, as for us thanks again so much for listening as far as the pod goes the best that you can do for us is subscribe and leave a review it really helps us kind of keep getting the message out keep working those algorithms and try to get as much uh, as much outlook as we can as always, make sure to catch us at Zune Garden Bus Tour on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And for some of Jordan's more personal thoughts, follow at Jordan O'Donnell Author on all of the same platforms. Um, but until then, thanks you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you out on the road.